Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett. I am here today with Dr. Fred Schaefer, who I feel like this, this podcast is ideally timed kind of towards the end of one year, towards the beginning of another year, to talk to Fred about his journey uh, with heart rate variability. Uh, uh, Dr. Ina Hazan introduced me to Fred's work a while ago. I think we actually may have gotten introduced briefly at the AAPB conference uh, 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 a little over a year ago now, or a little less than a year ago, um, but a big fan of the blog and, and the work you do. And Ina could not speak higher, higher, higher. And if Ina speaks highly of you, you can't ask for much more. So uh, Dr. Schaefer, I want to welcome you to the podcast. It's a great mm-hmm. honor to have you. Uh, just, I'd love, before I kind of jump in and talking about your journey with heart rate variability in your career, just love to just give, give a quick introduction uh, to our, our listeners. I have taught uh, experimental psychology and biological psychology at Truman State University. Uh, for almost 47 years. Uh, I run the, well, actually, my my students, uh, my lab managers run our Center for Applied Psychophysiology, which uh, is primarily focused on HRV research. Uh, So much of what I will talk about today comes from my students' hard work. That's awesome. So with with that, you know, you know, when I I want to not that you remember everything about forty some years ago when you started, yes. but but love to say like how was HRV there when you started? Did you did you bring it in? How how sort of in your as a uh, you know in in your earlier career uh, did did you sort of get interested uh, in a topic that you've off you've given so much information research to the world about okay it's hard to know exactly when uh, our research team uh, began uh, but around 1977 uh, it was many years later that uh, i attended uh, presentations by uh, paul lair Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, Dick Gewurz. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were inspiring. Now, I had already uh, done training at the very start of my career with Eric Pepper. And uh, Eric uh, is one of those uh, remarkable uh, individuals who uh, introduces so many people and mentors so many people in the field. And much of my early experience with Eric was about 
uh, effortless breathing and, and posture and ergonomics. Uh, but breathing was an important foundation and theme. I also attended a wonderful workshop at AAPB uh, by uh, Robert Freed, who talked about the hyperventilation syndrome and discussed uh, the issue of uh, over-breathing uh, and uh, championed uh, what he called low and slow breathing. Uh, and these became the foundation so that after uh, several years of listening to uh, Dick and Paul, I decided that it was time to take a deep dive into HRV and to see, for example, uh, if we could uh, do effective training in our setting mm -hmm. uh, with healthy undergraduates, and then to explore how do how can you teach people uh, to effectively increase their HRV? Awesome. So, so I'm I'm interested. Is is still an early pioneer, uh, you know, in this. And I, I know I, you mentioned some of the great names. Uh, uh, Dick has been on the podcast a couple times already, and it's just like, yes. he's one of those that I, what do you want to talk about? Because the show is yours kind of thing. So like what, what when you started working with this, when you started working with those undergrads, just like, I, I just kind of been interested, what sort of epiphanies or uh, like, okay, there there's something pretty powerful with this this biometric, I just kind of wonder what that as you started to integrate that in, started to do the research, just maybe some of the early epiphanies or findings that that really inspired you to to keep going. Well, I think we had uh, reports from students who had used slow paced breathing uh, and. Uh, had uh, really wonderful results. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one student uh, had gone to conference with us and he forgot his rescue medication uh, for irritable bowel syndrome. But he knew from the literature that uh, HRV practice uh, can impact this and can help to reduce symptom uh, frequency and severity. So that's what he did during the conference. He had no problems. Now, was it his HRV practice that protected him? I have no idea. Uh, but he believes that's the case. And so these testimonials, with all the caution we need to yeah. uh, extend the testimonials, uh, students... Uh, felt better. Uh, they reported better management of stress. Uh, and so uh, it looked like this was worth pursuing. So, you know, one of the things that there's, uh, I wouldn't call it a drinking game because alcohol has never been involved in it, but it kind right. of is, is, a, is along the lines of that is Google heart rate variability and anything you're interested in. Uh, my friends and I will go back and forth because when I was first learned about heart rate variability, 
you know, it just kind of smacked me across the face. Honestly, I was like, wait a minute, this helps to measure the stress response. I'd spent the last 15 years of my life really dedicated to uh, trauma healing and trauma mm -hmm. work and folks who really have a dysregulated autonomic nervous system and, and neurobiology. And it was just like, I was like, you know, and I, I was like a dog with a bone when I learned everything. I just kept Googling like HRVN and your name came mm -hmm. up like so many times in those different research studies. And I just kind of like it as you progressed, what, 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 what are, what were some of kind of maybe your favorite, you know, studies or works to be involved in uh, that, that contributed to our, our current knowledge about heart rate variability? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that uh, it's important to recognize uh, the giants on whose shoulders we stand. Uh, uh, the late uh, Evgeny Vashilo, uh, uh, Paul Lair, Dick Averse, uh, uh my colleague at Brigham Young University, uh, Patrick Stephan. Uh, these uh, these uh, beloved uh, colleagues have really done uh, the heavy lifting and have provided the foundation. Uh, what we've done at Truman is tackled uh, real-world questions uh, that uh, might be helpful. Uh, in improving the delivery of HRV uh, training. Uh, but I don't, I don't mistake our work for being foundations. Uh, so uh, we've tackled uh, often small uh, questions. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's debate in the field about uh, the, rate, the rate at which you inhale and exhale. Uh, and uh, I'm always careful about accepting uh, clinical lore. Uh, and I, I want to see it uh, play out in the laboratory. Yeah. Uh, as I've gone through uh, our data, uh, we did a series of three studies, many years apart, uh, trying to uh, tease out the effect of inhalation to exhalation ratio. And by this, I mean, do you do it? Do you ask the client to breathe uh, an equal length of time for inhale and exhale, or should it be slightly longer exhalation, or should it be twice as long? Uh, so we have explored that, and we consistently have found that it makes no difference uh, on a whole uh, raft of HRV metrics, time domain, frequency domain, nonlinear. Now, let me make it clear uh, that I am not saying that I would ever train a, a client uh, to uh, inhale and exhale for the equal duration. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a consensus among my colleagues that for many reasons, it, uh, there may be benefits to longer exhalations. But if the question is, 
does the ratio affect heart rate variability? Uh, we've not seen it in our lab, and we've our studies have had enough participants that and enough rigor that if it were there, we would have seen it. Uh, so that was that was an important question, and uh, Paul Lair uh, used that finding uh, in the design of one of his uh, recent studies uh, using a sliding method for calculating uh, the resonance frequency, which is the most effective rate of breathing to increase HRV. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a small issue. Uh, what I'm really excited about, and this is more recent, this is, this is about three years of research. Uh, and this is using slow-paced muscle contraction. So not slow-paced breathing, but slow-paced muscle contraction uh, to increase uh, HRV. Now, most clinicians and probably most researchers, uh, if they don't are not familiar with Vashilo's work on, uh, slow, on what he called rhythmical skeletal muscle tension, then they won't know that this is another way uh, to reliably and sometimes even more powerfully, increase heart rate variability. Very cool. So we have uh, researched that over the last at least three years, in part because Paul Lair at an APB uh, conference uh, that honored uh, Yevgeny as our distinguished scientist, uh, challenged us in the nicest possible way uh, to replicate Yevgeny's findings with a larger sample. Uh, and I said, challenge accepted. And that has defined uh, at least three, maybe going on four years of research. And it has been exciting. Very cool. Awesome. You know, and, and, and we mentioned AAPB uh, several times. I, I just got to yeah, as, as somebody who went uh, to the conference last year uh, for the first time, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's amazing as I've been more and more educated uh, and had had some of, uh, you know, and I, I, I consider you one of those giants that if you'll have me on your shoulders, I, I will proudly stand on them is y'all are still a lot of y'all are still there. Like, like you get, you yeah. get access to these wonderful people. And I think you all have been practicing what you preach for so long that uh, you know, a young punk like me comes up and wants to nerd out uh, about algorithm and uh, mm -hmm. you, you'll at least entertain me and uh, have yeah. those conversations. So I, I just, I just had to put that plug out. I think I just looked it up March 31st uh, uh, this year, I believe in Orlando. So uh, you'll actually be in the end of May. So you're really close. May, to May, yes. May. Yeah. May 31st. Thank you. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm interested too. So, so very fascinating work there as the, the world in some ways has evolved. I'd, I'd love to, with, with your years of research, you know, heart rate variability, I think as probably as far as I understand the history gone through different phases of, 
you know, recognition of going through a master's degree in psychology. I had no idea it existed. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, maybe uh, uh, Vanderkolt's book, The Body Keeps Score, was the first time I may have heard the term and there wasn't necessarily even enough there to, to get me to Google anything. It just was like, here's another measure of the stress response. So I, yeah. I kind of wonder, like, if you look at sort of you know, the, the last 20, 25 years, and, and I know that there's probably different stages within that, as folks like me uh, now have sort of, you know, it's out there in a different way and are being drawn to your work and the work of the other giants in the field and the, the work of the brilliant people coming into the field. I just love to say, like, since 2000, how have you seen things uh, evolve as as we we come and want to share you know uh learn from you and and hopefully add something of value to the space you all have worked so hard to create i'd start out by saying that our job uh is uh is nowhere near done in getting the word out let me explain why uh when i uh chat with medical professionals and they ask uh, Dr. Schaefer, what do you study? Uh, and I say heart rate variability. Uh, it's very clear that these very bright and uh, capable people have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, that, that means that, I mean, to answer your question about since 2000, uh, I think the emergence of wearables, yeah. uh, and it's far more recent than 2000. We're really looking at the last uh, three or four years, uh, the Apple Watch, the Fitbit, just as examples, uh, have introduced this metric uh, to uh, the world. Now, when Apple's uh, watch uh, was, able to do uh, calculations for uh, heart rate variability, uh, they were not uh, immediately upfront about communicating what, what metric they were using. Uh, I actually had a correspondence with uh, their support people uh, to ask, what are you measuring? What are you calling uh, uh, HRV. It turned out that it was RMSSD, uh, which is one of the metrics that uh, optimal HRV uses. Uh, but it took, I think, it took years for them to even communicate that. Uh, and uh, when I look at your app in uh, discussion of uh, the metrics, you do a wonderful job of explaining uh, uh, RMSSD and the others uh, so that regardless of where someone enters the field, uh, they'll be able to grasp the essence of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is, is this, you know, has, you know, and I, I, I agree with you. It's like my you know, probably 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week of my, my existence goes to heart rate variability. It's so I think, I'm sure you probably have a, is, 
<laughs> well, well, everybody knows about this now. And then you talk to a cardiologist who does yeah. know about it, kind of yeah. thinks you're crazy until he goes home and Googles it and yeah. realizes and tells us, oh, you're on to something. And so, yes. like, you know, as, as you know, in these recent years, is there anything you're worried about, uh, you know, with, with, with it? really jumping out of the lab and in on people's wrists, on people's ears, on people's fingers. Uh, are there, are there cautionary things that you see as, Oh, though the world is coming around to where I've been for the last 40 plus years. Uh, but is, is there anything there that kind of uh, makes you worry? There is. Uh, the wearables may do no, uh, data cleaning or artifacting, uh, or they may do uh, enough to be dangerous. Uh, and what that means is that the measurements that, uh, unless uh, the user is very careful, uh, conditions in which the measurements are taken, uh, unless the uh, user has a relatively normal conduction, uh, electrical conduction. Uh, the values are likely to be extremely misleading. Uh, so uh, no app that I'm aware of, and so I'm talking about consumer grade app, uh, does enough artifacting uh, that we can uh, be confident in uh, the quality of, of, of the data. Mm -hmm. uh, now, having said that, uh, you can look at trends across uh, a month. Uh, if you take daily measurements yeah. the same way, same time of day, so you don't uh, have a circadian problem, uh, because HRV will change uh, across uh, the day. Uh, if you are very controlled in the way you take your measurements, then regardless of how off they are from what I see in the lab, uh, you can at least see trends. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't trust the absolute value. I would, uh, the trends would be, uh, could be meaningful. Yeah. And I would love to just uh, to kind of follow up on that, ask mm -hmm. so, something that I, I got really excited about. And again, with the artifact, mm -hmm. knowing that, that your equipment is better than my my equipment. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got I've got just readers sit around my desk. Yeah. And, sure. You know, I, I know that you're, you're not going to be able to purchase for fifty dollars, what you can purchase for ten thousand uh, right. dollars in a laboratory. I, you know, and, and I'm 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 getting a little frustrated that the though I, I mean we've I've been looking and searching for quality readers at affordable prices, and it doesn't seem like there's been that much movement. Uh, you know, and the the HRV geeks out there will argue all day about does the Apple Watch give you good data? You know, so you can get lost in those. But right. I, I got really excited about. The, the idea of a lot of the studies I was seeing was 
kind of pre, yeah, yeah, the pre-experimental HRV reading. I'll just use a, a really generic one. So forgive me ahead of time. But sure. you know, one person practices mindfulness, the other watches some random video. Both mm -hmm. of them stick their hand in a bucket of ice to elicit the stress response. And then you take a post HRV reading. And I, I understand I'm very much oversimplifying that. But, you know, there's sort of a one, there was a couple, maybe three, you know, in most of the studies I was seeing, I got really excited about that. Boy, if we could take a reading every morning, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what, what sort of, you know, baselines are we getting? What can we pre-test then? And so it was this really interesting thing is like, yeah, you, you, you give away some of the quality of not having the $10,000 machine mm -hmm. and, and you gain this idea of, hey, we can establish, you know, uh, you, you I've seen in places five readings within a seven day period gives you a nice baseline in which to measure <laughs> then stuff off. So you know, I kind of, I just want to kind of get your impression of, of, of that as the research versus the, hey, my alarm goes off, I roll over, I put on my reader, I click that uh, three minute reading. Yes, I think that we can, if we can teach uh, the consumer how to take a relatively clean reading. Uh, if we guide them to use uh, what you call a reader, uh, I would, for example, uh, recommend uh, a, a ECG or EKG uh, chest strap. Uh, an example would be the H10, which is compatible with uh, your app. Yeah. Uh, but teach them how to take clean measurements, which means reducing movement, uh, among other things. Uh, and that will go a long way uh, to uh, obtaining uh, valid measurements. Uh, there's no substitute for cleaning your data. Yeah. Now, that's a problem when uh, you have an app that doesn't export uh, the uh, interbeat intervals uh, to uh, a open source uh, program that can do that for you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but that's when I would have more trust because I could then look at the data, uh, take care of any uh, false beats, because yeah. the, the problems can either be beats that don't exist or beats that are overlooked. Uh, so you clean your data, you uh, look at the measurements, and those I would uh, I would trust. Uh, until I can do that, uh, I'm cautious. Okay, excellent. Uh, but standardizing the conditions, educating your uh, customers as to how to get the best recordings, for example, using uh, a, a chess band. Yeah. Uh, could go a long way to improving uh, the recording quality. Excellent. Great, great advice. Uh, all right. So we sit here at the end as we record this of uh, 2022. Um, yes. uh, you, you, you've got decades of experience, expertise. Uh, you've seen a huge part of the history 
of mm -hmm. heart rate variability as you sort of look out, uh, maybe not beyond next year and beyond. Mm. What, what gets you excited? What, what do you sort of see uh, next steps? Maybe, maybe things also worry about you, but worry you. But I, I just kind of wonder, as you look uh, with all your experience, five to 10 years, uh, where's this biometrics going to take us? Well, what are some things that, that you sort of see uh, from, from your uh, uh, with all the experience uh, that you have had over the years? The challenge of being the futurist is you're often wrong <laughs> by, by decades. I, uh, I promise at least I won't hold you to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would not, of course, claim to be a futurist. Uh, what, what I would say is I do believe that with the greater computing power available on our smartphones uh, that we should be able to do some of some more valid uh, clean uh, data collection uh, and it's possible then that this could be part of just like in the morning uh, uh, I take uh, blood pressure, uh, I take blood sugar mm -hmm. uh, measurement. Uh, this should be part of someone's standard self-care regimen. Uh, and it takes so little time to take a quality measurement. Uh, uh, and I can see it uh, monitoring me during the day and providing gentle reminders when it appears that I am uh, stressing myself out uh, in case I'm not aware. And, yeah. uh, and there are uh, apps that do that, uh, that actually give you uh, prompts when the app detects uh, that uh, your HRV has taken a major plunge. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I see this as, uh, you know, and I, I could actually see a general practice physician or at least an interventional cardiology practice uh, getting this information from the cloud uh, mm -hmm. so they can track their patients' uh, well-being instead of seeing them like once a year. Uh, and, you know, my gosh, given that this could be, you know, when you think about plunges in uh, HRV, if, if they're valid, you know, if they're not artifact, uh, that could, that could be a sign uh, that the patient has uh, contracted COVID. Yeah. Uh, uh, it could be a reminder that the person is having a, dealing with a great deal of stress uh, and that could possibly precipitate a psychiatric episode. Mm -hmm. So it could be valuable. So I could see psychiatrists using that and clinical psychologists uh, using that in their practice. I could see interventional cardiologists using it uh, it's not sufficient to monitor a, to measure a client once a year. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
And so we may get better at that. Uh, this is probably the time where I'd like to give a shout out uh, to my dear colleagues at the Institute of Heart Math. Uh, they more than any group I have uh, experienced uh, have helped to explain uh, the science of heart rate variability and have put a some really uh, smart, well-designed technology uh, in the hands of providers uh, and their clients. Uh, I, uh, I admire uh, their sense of mission. Uh, but when you look at the scale uh, on which they have uh, been evangelist for HRV, uh, uh, I don't know the true number of people they have reached and the number of people using their apps and equipment, uh, but it has to be uh, far exceeds what uh, the equipment manufacturers uh, reach. Yeah. Uh, and far greater than uh, more recent startups. Uh, uh, and they, their work is based on uh, very solid uh, science. Uh, now they have uh, they have a larger uh, framework, a theoretical framework uh, that uh, is controversial, uh, and that's fine. I can separate out their technology and their very solid training uh, in uh, increasing HRV uh, from uh, their larger uh, belief framework. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I've been a, uh, uh, do, did the heart math early on mm -hmm. in my search as well. And mm -hmm. it's an interesting company for sure. Cause you get, you get both sides of it. You, you, you get the, uh, research papers and mm -hmm. other stuff too, which, yeah. which is, uh, it's, it's an interesting, and I uh, love not boring. Research Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I love their research papers. Yes. Uh, I love, uh, the protocols they have developed. I love their hardware and software. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, as with any uh, diverse community, uh, we're going to disagree on some other things. Yeah. But the other things are so small to at least me uh, that I value uh, the things that. Uh, are closely tied to science. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you. Like I said, uh, when, when I think about the, the giants that this, I don't know, uh, someone who caught the bug, I guess, and saw there wasn't a heart rate variability podcast and said, well, maybe this will help the world learn about uh, work like yours. And now uh, to have you on as an actual guest uh, is just a, a huge honor and, uh, you know, to, to spread, uh, your, your work, um, you know, and to share this with our audience, uh, is just a true joy, uh, for me. So I want to, and I, I know, uh, from the whole optimal team, thank you for all the great work, uh, that you've done. We, we wouldn't be doing what we've been striving to do if it wasn't for, uh, folks like yourself. And, uh, I know in that head of yours, there, there's many more episodes and topics 
uh, that Ines told me you got to talk to Fred about this. And I'm like, I will introduce me to Fred. And, and now that that introduction is made, I hope it's the uh, uh, first of many conversations because I know we've just uh, barely probably scratched the surface on uh, topics that, that we could discuss. But I, I just want to thank you for this overview and uh, sharing your journey with the audience. My pleasure. Awesome. And I'll put some information about Fred. I am, uh, the, Fred's blog is great. Uh, we are honored to be uh, featured in some screenshots there. I know Ina's uh, uh, TED Talk uh, that everybody I think should listen to is, I saw that uh, intermixed in there as well. And so uh, we'll, we'll throw some link in the show notes. Definitely check out Dr. Schaefer's work. Uh, like I said, I don't think we'd be having this conversation if if him and some of those other giants uh, really didn't lay the the groundwork for, you know, me to say, hey, how do we bring this into individuals with with trauma, experiencing homelessness, uh, foster families, mm -hmm. and in doing my little uh, piece of this uh, with clinicians, uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully, uh, as I like to say, HRV uh, being a new vital sign, but but one mm -hmm. that measures mental health as well as physical health. And when we can get every day, instead of just, like you said, once a year where we're really just measuring your commute to the doctor's office. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate your time. And again, for all the work that you've done. My pleasure.